not happen for an age. What's that? It is a gathering. Hello and welcome to Entmoot, the battle games in Middle-earth podcast all about the Middle-earth strategy battle game from Games Workshop. I'm Harry, this is episode 72, and it's fair to say this one has been somewhat delayed. And there's a reason for that, and the reason will probably become, or is probably more obvious to you, if you're a watcher of my YouTube channel. So, um... My YouTube channel, Battle Games in Middle Earth, it's been going for many, many years um, and um, is is decidedly less uploaded to than the podcast because basically because I know you guys like the podcast and I like going to tournaments and I like recording it. So it works out better for me. So I spend more time editing that than my videos on YouTube. But the YouTube channel is successful. It's got six and a bit thousand subscribers. It's very exciting. And I do like to make videos occasionally that when I really want to, you know, I'm not one of those YouTubers that puts something up every two weeks uh, to keep the algorithm ticking over. Um, because I, I don't know, maybe maybe it would be wise if I want more views on YouTube, but I'm not that kind of guy. So I, I just want to do it when, as and when. But if you have seen my YouTube channel recently, you'll see that I went to Scouring of Cheshire. Uh, I think that's how you pronounce it. I've always just called it Scouring of Cheshire, really. But uh, the Scouring of Cheshire in uh, Stockport is the tournament we're going to be talking about in this here podcast. And it's fair to say, uh, I I think the the journey to and the staying overnight at the festival kind of overshadowed this... uh, The festival? I said festival. I mean uh, tournament. The, the journey and the, the sleeping overnight slightly overshadowed it in my mind because I was very excited to go camping um, for this tournament. It's it's something I, I've loved since I was a kid. I used to uh, watch Ray Mears. He's a bushcraft expert on telly, uh, whittling sticks and building fires and all that sort of stuff as a kid. And um, I, I just... I just something just caught my imagination when uh, Alex from Battle Camper, uh, the YouTube channel, a uh, big fan of the podcast and also uh, a patron supporter as well. Um, he's an absolute gen and a, a fantastic YouTube video maker. Uh, he basically invited a few of the Battle Campers fans to come along and said, Harry, would you like to come along? And I said, yes, I'm going to camp with you. It all descended into madness, which you can see on the YouTube channel. Uh, So some of you might have watched that and not heard of the podcast, so welcome along, um, because I mentioned the podcast a lot in that video, because uh, I filmed some of the games, but uh, didn't talk about them in great depth, because uh, I'm I'm just not as good at planning as (laughs) some people are, so I didn't go around to it. But anyway, uh, so uh, in short, this podcast was recorded in and amongst me staying in a tent overnight at minus 10 degrees and also in an incredibly gusty, flappy tent uh, on one night. But to be honest, you probably won't get much of that from the uh, the podcast itself. It's the usual kind of thing. Essentially, I'm going to the tournament. I've got my army list. I'll talk about that in a minute. Um, and I've got my six games. I'll talk about that in a bit. And I've also got the winner of the tournament. And that will at some point uh, feature in the podcast as well. So it's the usual stuff. Um, but yeah, if you want to watch, uh, get understand a bit more about the context of perhaps why my voice deteriorates or why I may sound a bit tired during some of the interviews, 
head over to Battle Games in Middle Earth, watch the video. I'm really proud of it. I think it's good fun. Um, it might not have as much hobby in as some of my YouTube videos, but uh, painting a, a, a Numenorian in a tent in minus temperatures where the uh, wet palette was actually freezing, I think that's I think that's well worth watching uh, alongside the other stuff. So I uh, hope you enjoy that. But as I've said, this is a normal uh, tournament. We have got things to discuss, uh, including the army list. So let's build one. So in short, uh, this is Scaring a Cheshire. It's a, a standard kind of tournament. Um, it's a huge event, 800 points. Uh, what a, uh, it's, a, it's massive. It's one of those ones that pulls together... Something like in the region of 100 people um, from around that area, uh, the Manchester sort of area, Stockport's in Greater Manchester in the UK. And um, I, I think that w one of the things that makes this event so good is just is, is just the scale, if I'm honest, um, because it's just well established. Everyone knows how well it run it is. Everyone knows that the place is a good venue. Uh, this is Element Games in, uh, in Stockport. Uh, Steve Crow is an absolute gent. He always runs things with great... Um, enthusiasm and uh, you know comedy timing things like that uh, and the prizes are ace there's you know always huge swords and wetter sculpts and all that sort of stuff on offer um, even though it's not part of the Great British Hobbit League uh, at the moment which I think is a shame um, but you know these things happen uh, I just like the, the Hobbit League I think it brings everything together and, and it gives everyone a good reason to to go to these events but I think uh, this is this one is one of the one of those really good ones for that reason. Oh, and of course, I haven't mentioned the excellent boards. There are so many good um, uh, boards that, that people play on at this uh, tournament. I mean, uh, some of them aren't ideal for competitive play, but they're only usually on the sort of mid to bottom tables anyway. So there's some hugely impressive um, sculpted sort of modulated boards that are like um, there's Brie, I think there's an Amon Hen one, and these are all uh, properly 3D sculpted. No mats with uh, terrain on them uh, for for some of the boards so that's that's really cool uh, it's well worth checking out if you uh, if you haven't in fact there's some there's some pictures videos of them in uh, in my video that I mentioned on the battle games in middle of the youtube channel so uh, anyway so as i mentioned normal uh, normal sort of no weird restrictions nothing odd about this tournament um other than the fact that it's it's big and i think that generally despite it not actually being in the hobbit league it's probably one of the more competitive events that I've been to in a very, very long time. Um, and I've been to like the Grand Prix, uh, which was sort of advertised as competitive. But I think that the people who come along to this just wanted to do really well. I don't know why uh, it's attracted a certain uh, very competitive player. Uh, maybe it's just historically imp uh, that, but who knows? Uh, either way, um, let's, let's talk about the list that I've taken to it because obviously, as I mentioned... Um, this is uh, this is 800 points and i believe i believe i'm right in thinking this is the first time i believe that i've used um a pure numenor list above uh, 700 points maybe even above 600 actually so um some of you may have heard me um rabbiting on about uh, numenor for a while um it's been my kind of go-to for a while i know i did at gondolin the gates of gondolin we did a um a last alliance theme so we had uh, Elendil teaming up with Gilgalad. Well, this this was pure green Numenor at 800 points, and um, I was really excited to do this because I've, I had fared quite well at 600 with my pure Numenor. So I wondered how it would fare at 800 once you've added a bit of extra stuff in the mix. So let's uh, let's get cracking with the army list. We've got Elendil, 
uh, mounted with the shield for 200 points. He is just my go-to, and I, I don't think I've really done a list without him yet. So maybe I will do with a sealed door and some janky um, Last Alliance vague last alliance themed stuff and some rings but we'll see we'll see if we can get there either way uh Elendil mounted with a shield uh he's got with him a, a banner a guy uh he's also got nine guys with spear and shield so the banner has a spear and shield as well uh nine numenorians with spear and shield all 10 points each uh we've got two uh numenorian bowmen with spear uh so they're again 10 points each and then three Numenorians with shield. So mostly spear, shield. I think I've talked about this in the uh, previous uh, in the previous podcasts. I, I, I just wanted to opt for the keeping the defense five. It seems to work pretty well uh, generally because uh, a lot of strength four dudes out there. A lot of people going with strength four. So um, you know the five is actually really really handy against that. Um, the bowmen uh, they're good. Uh, giving them spears makes them just even better because they don't have to be on the front line then, so they're harder to kill. Uh, so there we go, and we got some shield guys in there. Um, right, next one. Uh, next warband is a sealed door with a shield and a horse. Of course, no ring here. 135 points for him. He's just good for that though. Fight six, three points of might, defense eight with, with the shield. He's, I mean, he, he's rock solid, rock solid. He's got all the strike. Well, he's not got all. He could do with defense, but strike and strength yeah. but either way you just need the strike don't you anyway uh, with him we've got eight Numenorians with spear and shield two with just shield and two with just bow and spear and then the captain rounded off the list uh, mounted with armor shield and lance for 75 points absolute bargain still warriors with spear and shield i have eight of and then there's two uh, Numenorian bowmen with spear so all in all there's 40 models in this list, which is really good. So, I mean, realistically, in in terms of like maxing out my warband slots, I've got two spare with a captain. I've got, what, uh, three spare in a sealed oars warband. I've got three spare in uh, the Ellendil's warband. So I could maybe get, what's that, uh, eight more models. So eight times 10 is uh, 80. So, you know, you might be able to uh, push this up to 850. Uh, and I don't think there's ever going to be an 880 tournament, but something like 850, um, it would probably be the max that you'd want with uh, with these kinds of heroes uh, without having to add more heroes. And then again, I think it's going to drop down again. I think I've found that building a Numenorian list, it kind of goes up in 200s in terms of strength. Uh, 700 points, not ideal. 500 points, not ideal. Uh, but 4, 6 and 8 seem to be all right. Uh, I don't know why that, that is, but it seems to work. Maybe it's because I've gone with Ellendil and he always fills up 200. So you want to have a bit of extra, you know, plenty of boys to, to bulk him up. Anyway, so there you go. That's the army. Um, I've been doing progressively better and better with this army, uh, with the Numenorians. I've, I, I, the next episode will be the Slow Grow League which I have uh, I recorded um, over the course of a few months now. I think it's been going since last year, actually, now I think about it. So there's been a, a, a slow development of the, the games, and it's actually, it'll be interesting to hear them, the, the, these interviews back, because I started it when I was really very new with the Numenorians, uh, and now I'm kind of a bit more advanced. So it'll be interesting to see the progression there, but that'll be in another podcast. In the meantime... I think we're getting to the peak of my um, Numenorian time. I'm going to start throwing in Last Alliance, and then, of course, there are more projects on the horizon. I've got some cool uh, stuff that I have, haven't tried before um, for new podcasts uh, soon, but I'm building and painting at the moment, so uh, we'll uh, just, just wait and see what I come up with, I guess. Um, either way, 800 points. Uh, Elendil, Numenorian, uh, sorry, Elendil, Asildor, Captain, and loads of Numenorians. 40 models, that's good at 800 points. You've got eight bows, eight might, 
you've got the free heroic combat um it breaks it sort of 19 models, models remaining so i i like this and i think because i've got so many models at fight four and strength four it can actually be pretty pretty um violent uh, it can do a lot of killing but of course if you're up against a strength three army like elves that fight five or something equally annoying like easterlings it's a very hard list to beat um against if i'm against easterlings so or or the elves the new dragon emperor easterlings i think would probably be about as good as you can get against this list because um yes elendil and the uh, and a sealed or can do some choppage so can the captain but just the weight of numbers with the easterlings they just churn through my lines and that would just be uh, make it too hard for me i think so hopefully none of those uh, hopefully no elves um but we'll find out what happens uh, later on in the podcast but first riddles of the dark Yes, that's right. Riddles in the Dark returns. It's been uh, a couple of episodes since I did a Riddle in the Dark, actually. So wanted to make sure that we uh, we managed to slot in uh, the answer to the riddle that I set in episode 69, the Grand Prix episode. Um, and uh, as I've been slightly distracted by the questions, questions that need answering uh, over the last few times. So... Um, I, I thought we've got to, we've certainly got to reveal the answer to the riddle in the dark, and we'll probably do a well. In fact, we will be doing a question that needs answering. That hopefully you guys will all be getting in touch with later on entmootpodcast at gmail dot com. But first, we've got to hear that clip. Um, there was a vague link to the uh, uh, episode sixty nine's Grand Prix episode. So here is the clip we played all those well, weeks, months ago, uh, and you needed to tell me who speaks next and what they say. <laughs> Yes, so that was the clip. Uh, we will delve into the email inbox. Um, we have uh, not very many uh, guesses, which is probably why I left it a bit longer, thinking maybe we'll get a few more people emailing in. Uh, maybe it's too hard. Maybe it's because it's a Hobbit movie one again. Uh, that's probably why. People just seem to know the Lord of the Rings ones, but not the Hobbit ones. So, uh, Russell Priest did get in touch. Uh, Russell says, evening, brackets, or insert time of day here. Uh, it's afternoon for me, but, you know, whenever's good for you. Uh, I can't place it, but I think the grunt is Aragorn. And I'm going to blindly guess it's when Aragorn shouts, Elendil! Keep up the great work, Russell. Russell Priest, thank you very much for getting in touch. You're a legend. You're wrong. Um, I'm sorry about that, uh, but I can see I can see your uh, your logic behind it. And of course, the presence of Ellen Dill in my lists recently means that that clip probably would have been a good choice, but it's not that one, I'm afraid. So we move on to uh, Torin Evans. Now, Torin, I don't think he actually answers the um, uh, the the thingy, uh, the, the the riddle in the dark. But we'll just just see what he says anyway, because uh, I think he's got some interesting things to say here. So Torin uh, gets in touch, says, "Hi Harry, I found your podcast back in December after getting into my MESBG in October. I thought about emailing before in before, but I told myself I'd catch up first. So here we are." I've thoroughly enjoyed listening to your interviews. The different people have kept things fresh and entertaining. I recently moved for work and haven't been able to play, so listening has kept my foot in the water. Brilliant, thank you. Uh, I've loved your focus on theme and celebrating it at competitive and fluffy events, and I've struggled listening to podcasts... Uh, sorry, I've struggled to listen to podcasts about tabletop games, as I find eventually games and list building eventually turn into spreadsheet math, which saps the magic out of a game. I came from X-Wing, then Star Wars Legion, before landing on MESBG. Between the heavy law influence, brackets, Boromir, the, mel- the melee focus, Boromir, and the lack of list building exploits, 
well, Boromir, he says, I find this game almost seems immune from turning into the rinse and repeat turns that plague most other dice games, which might be what keeps the sanity of the average MESBG player lower than that of the other games I've played. The average sanity? Is that, I think, maybe, I don't know. I, I Oh, salin, sorry. I, okay, let me reread that. The salinity saltiness uh, of the average MSBG player lower than that of other games I've played. I wondered why it was insulting us all, saying we're not very sane uh, playing MSBG, but now it makes more sense. So we're less salty, apparently. Keep up the great work. The community at the tournaments you've been involved in has convinced me that when I come out to visit HMS Victory, I'll also have to attend a tournament myself and maybe even get a chance to buy you a beer. Torin, thank you so much. Uh, Torrin says hello from Canada so I, I really hope you come uh, across to the UK at some point um, I would love to meet and shake your hand good sir uh, thank you very much for the kind words uh, and I guess that's sort of the last thing on the the saltiness of of people at, um, we were talking about 40k and uh, saltiness in the previous episode so kind of touched on that a little bit so thank you very much Torrin uh, no more comments so we'll set a question that needs answering in a second but first let's just round out off that riddle in the dark and see who speaks next and what they say and what the link is Yes, yeah, so that was actually, uh, it was the sound of an ogre grunting. Um, uh, so that's that's what that was. Uh, Russell thought it was Aragorn, but it wasn't. Um, so it was an ogre grunting, and it was the sound of Bard riding the little cart down the hill in uh, Dale, or the sort of ruins of Dale. And um, my vague link was that it was sort of announced during the episode The Grand Prix, and I was trying to think of something that involved racing. And I first thought of the... Um, of the the goat chariot, um, but the which is in the Hobbit Five Armies, I think. Um, but that that didn't quite work. Um, I couldn't couldn't find a clip where people weren't talking or where it wasn't wasn't obvious. So I, I thought I'd go with that. See what people thought. Clearly, it stumped you. Clearly, it stumped you. We will do another riddle in the dark again in the future when I uh, when inspiration strikes. But first, we definitely have to do this. Christians. Questions that need answering. That's right. So, questions that need answering. Now, this is an unusual one because I don't often do this on the podcast. Um, I have heard a rumour, and I don't know whether the rumour's right or the rumour's wrong. It could be right, it could be wrong. We'll find out at Warhammer Fest on Saturday um, because down the grapevine, one has heard things. Uh, not directly from the MESBG team, it's worth saying. Uh, so, it could be complete bunkum, but it also could be true. Uh, I've had accurate predictions in the past so we shall see where it's coming from but either way uh, essentially i've heard a rumor that the release for the next warhammer fest announcement for mesbg there's going to be like a little announcement um on the saturday um which will reveal and if you don't want to hear this skip forward 30 seconds um, I'll give you a bit of notice now. Uh, skip forward 30 seconds if you don't want to hear this because some people just want to hear it on Warhammer Fest and that's fine. So skip forward now. And essentially, I've heard that it's going to be a diorama, um, which we haven't had a diorama for ages. The last thing I'm thinking of the uh, Witch King ones, um, the uh, what else have we had? Yeah, we had Gothmog, Death and Gothmog, that sort of stuff. Apparently, this is one from the Fellowship of the Ring. Um, including the uh, hobbits hiding under the tree from the Black Rider. So I'm not going to say any more about um, that. So if anyone has skipped forward, hopefully they've, uh, they're have they not going to have their spoilers. But um, the, 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 basically, I want to ask you, what would you like to see um, in this announcement? 
Would you like what I've just mentioned? Is that the sort of thing you would like to see revealed? What would you like to see? If you if you skip forward for spoilers, what would you like to see announced? Would you like more rules? Would you like more models? Would you like a full range? Would you like, you know, the catapult troll from uh, the Battle of the Five Armies? Would you like uh, Beachbone? Or is it Beachbone? Or whichever one is missing. One of the uh, Ents. Would you like to have a new rulebook delving into Arnor? Would you like Rings of Power models uh, announced? I'm really interested because uh, this is a question I really think needs answering. I really want to know the general gist of what people are after because, honestly, from going to tournaments, I think people are happy as it is. Like, we, we could, I mean, obviously, we like to see the game supported, and that's brilliant. Um, and I know it's slowed down a bit since um, the middle, the sort of uh, Warhammer basically asked for. Um, uh, Warhammer have asked for uh, the some of the team who started as um, working on Blood Bowl and M- uh, MSBG to do more old world stuff. Um, so that's cool for people who are fans of old world, but it just means that there's less Middle Earth stuff going on. So I, I want to know what you think. Uh, Entmootpodcast at gmail.com. Do you like what has been suggested? Um, if that's true, I mean, if you could feel free to call me a, a nincompoop if uh, you're emailing after Saturday and, and the, the rumour I've heard is wrong. But also, what would you like to see in the announcement? And um, I guess if it's if you're emailing after the announcement, uh, what do you think? And what would you have preferred to see? What would you like to see in the next one? Really interested to know the kind of general gist of what sort of things you want. Is it hobby stuff you want? Is it really nice models? Uh, is it more uh, just more new units like the Acolytes and the Dragon Emperor, that sort of stuff? New books, new lore? Let me know. Entmootpodcast at gmail.com. That is the question I desperately need answering. Now, that's it. It's time to go on an adventure now this is properly an adventure as well because i might even do a mini montage um because this is quite an adventure uh, let's hear a little bit of some of the uh, hijinks i get up to in, in the course of my uh, adventures across the weekend so do check out uh, battle games in middle earth on youtube search battle games in middle earth youtube and you'll be able to find it um but uh, there's a little bit of flavor before we actually uh, hit the tabletops this time and then 800 points of numenor how will they fare let's head to the tables Via the tent. He was a steady death, singing the song we wrote, but never faced me, used to know. Got there in the end, smashing it. Let's hope the camping's just as good. We're expecting temperatures of minus eight, minus ten. It's gonna be a chilly night. We'll be cold. We've got a tent before sundown. Fantastic. So I'm in the tent. It's half past 11 at night. I was going to paint some um, miniatures, but basically my water has frozen and it's got all the weird kind of creaminess. But there's like a lump of ice <laughs> in my water. It's quarter to two in the morning. I have slept for... I think an hour and a half or thereabouts. And I've woken up feeling impossibly cold. Yeah, so an hour and a bit in is difficult. I hope I can get some sleep properly during the night. 
Game one, scouring of Cheshire, playing against Adam in the first round. Um, assassination is the game, and a bit, we're a bit late because because uh, I was camping overnight. It was very cold. Had to go over the mountains. We'll hear more about that in the podcast. But first of all, Adam, let's let's delve into what you've got here. So big armies, eight hundred points. What have you brought for the tournament? I've brought uh, Rangers of Illithine, uh taking every single Ranger with spear, yeah. rather than taking banner or anything else. So. About how many, was it 50 something guys? Uh, 50 bows in total. Yeah, yeah. 50 bows, 53 models. It's a crazy number of dudes. And you've got, all, I think, all the heroes, is that right? All you've the got, heroes. So you've got Faramir, obviously, leader, but then uh, all of the little little ranger dudes. Yeah, Mablung, Amborn, Damrod, Madrill, yep. and taking Frodo, Sam, and Gollum as well. Of course, because you have to nowadays. So, um, assassination. Probably not your favourite mission in this one because you've got so many weak heroes. Oh, 100%. Sort of one that I was hoping to win before you got close, yeah, yeah. if I'm honest. And, and to be fair, those first few turns, obviously assassination, it deploys on the middle line. Um, you had a massive gun line spread across the whole field. Was it 10? Something like that, guys? Yeah. Mine died in the yeah. first few turns? Yeah, the shooting went off for once. As yeah. we all know, shooting's very unreliable, but mm. managed to kill 10 before we got in close combat. and. Really, that's majority of my kills. Yeah, yeah, it was, and I think I think one of the we had a brief chat just before we started recording, and um, I, I, I'd marched forward with with my guys and a massive clump, like a ball of doom, um, and trying to assassinate. I, I knew I targeted one of the rangers, Damrod, um, and he was just happened to be the one that was on the left, yeah. and I just kind of shot straight for that end of the line, knowing that you're going to have maybe half your army out of combat for a couple of turns and certainly not be able to shoot for a while yeah. so I thought right I'll go for that and, and the assassination worked pretty quickly uh, Isildur did the work killed uh, a Damrod in one go so from there it was just a matter of whether you could kill my captain which you'd made pretty clear by shooting um, that you took him off his horse and didn't didn't manage to wound him uh, yeah. unfortunately but so it's just a matter of me protecting him and ensuring that I didn't get completely uh, surrounded and tabled and it was pretty close I mean a yeah. lot of Numenorians died yeah you'd You'd broken first before me, like mm. just. Yeah, but about, I think it was about eight models, wasn't it? So yeah. So I, I still had to kill eight when, when I'd broken. Yeah. But as soon as I'd broken you, you're staying there with your steadfast, and they were started crumbling. And as soon as I was taking courage tests, about another half of them ran away. Yeah, I, th- I think one of the things that I think we just we just mentioned it after the game that I think one of the things that I think that perhaps you you might have been able to do differently was was that you you saved a lot of your might for heroic combat, yeah. which. To be fair, you got some pretty crazy uh, heroic combos uh, in the last couple of turns, but very rarely, uh, you were quite cautious with might, very rarely did you spend your might on countering my heroic moves, which gave me the the kind of choice of where I'm going to charge, who's going to be in combat, who's going to charge Elendil, who's going to, where, so I'm constantly threatening you with the heroic combat from Elendil. Wasn't a single heroic move from me, I only did a heroic march getting all the rangers who are unfortunately too far away to yeah. really be engaged at yeah. the end across to help out. Yeah, and, and I think I think had you done that, it might it might have it will certainly able to drain my might because I'd have had mm. a lot more decisions to make, and it didn't help that I kept winning priority as well. And so you really need I think you really needed to push that a bit. But and and, and to be fair, you, your, some of your heroic combats didn't even go off either. No. They were they were. They were you know, you'd have thought that you had that the odds in your favour a couple. Yeah, yeah Madril had like two friends plus spear supports against just a guy and a spear support and, and I just kept winning because my yeah. fight value is so good so I, like, I against your rangers it's, it, it seemed to work I had a banner and you didn't which is also a big deal I suppose but, yeah. but crucially here Elendil and Isildur I just s- easily surpassed any of your heroes oh, they're easily. so much better easily like I think I think there was one combat I might have got close to beating mm. them but that was about it like 
heroic striked with Sam yeah. and got equal to your fight skill. Yeah, yeah. So didn't really gain much of an advantage there. Yeah, and I didn't even need to strike for that. So he was just, Ellen Dill had lost his horse quite early on, but he was just slashing away at, at dudes, you know, killing reliably two guys at least, if not if not three, four a turn, and, and decapitating both Frodo, Sam, uh, and an, I think another Ranger hero, I can't they remember which. Faramir. Oh, yeah, and, the, and then he did the deed on Faramir in the very last turn. Um, I think it's uh, it a cracking game. Yeah, yeah, there was a couple of things that, oh. that you probably you could have done differently, but that's always the case, isn't it? Oh, and, yeah. and I think I, I I was I was quite uh, cautious with my captain once you'd unhorsed him, so I knew to protect him, and he's safely sort of taking on one ranger at a time with friends, yeah. so he was never really in trouble. But either way, uh, Adam, great start to the tournament. Um, uh, unlucky for you, 10-1 to me, uh, assassination. Nice Not a bad start. Well, best of luck in the rest of the tournament. Yeah, best of luck to you as well. Game number two, uh, the scouring of Cheshire, playing against Sam, Sam Lintel, and... Uh, we're playing capture and control, so this is the flip the objectives over. Uh, there's five objectives in a kind of diamond on the board, and there's one for breaking the enemy and one for uh, killing the enemy or wounding the enemy leader. And um, first of all, Sam, interesting army. I haven't played this in quite some time. Uh, what have you brought to the uh, the tournament this weekend? Uh, so for this weekend, I've brought the Rise of the Necromancer Legendary Legion. Uh, it plays very differently to conventional armies, mm. uh, so it's a bit fun, it's a bit different, you don't see it often, so yeah. we'll see how it goes. Yeah, so it's, it, you've got the Necromancer and uh, you've not got the Witch King, which, yeah, just run me through which, which raids you've got and why you've chosen those raids particularly. Uh, so I'm taking Camel the Easterling for a start, uh, his, he is just pure killing power, uh, along with two Slayers of Men, so they get their deadly strength, which is two-handed weapons without any penalties. So they're quite quite heavy for the killing. Uh, there's also the Forsaken. He brings a spear, which the support for spears not really what he's there for. It's his reroll to wound on everything. Um, and then there's two Abyssal Knights who, in the priority phase, can teleport to each other. So that gives me a little bit of maneuverability, especially for objective games like this. Um, and then. There's one missing, and I don't know which one it is. <laughs> after, after that, it's the Dark Headsman. Oh, yes. Uh, so he can take his natural sixes to wound into uh, D3 wounds after fate rolls. Uh, so essentially, he's more of a hero hunter. So Interesting. And, and if people haven't ever encountered this uh, Legion before, the, the rays are basically invincible. Uh, they die, and then on a three-up or a two-up, if you've got the Necromancer kicking about, um, they come back next turn with no ill health, still got the same stats, still the same might, all that sort of stuff. And you can might that roll. They've all got two points of might each with uh, fate and a will point. No, sorry, no fate, a will point. Uh, and the Necromancer has some fancy gizmos in this Legion. Uh, just, just give me a bit of a rundown, because he starts off with 25 will, and he's pretty potent in the magic phase. What else has he got? Uh, so the Legendary Legion boosts the Necromancer mostly. Uh, it gives him a second attack, which is handy to have in a pinch. Uh, it allows him to cast two spells a turn. They have to be different spells, and you can and you have to target separate models. Uh, so you can't just courage bomb someone off the board, but you can pin and deal with two heroes at once, which is incredibly useful. Uh, he also gives the Legion resistant to magic uh, with the Legion. So it's a little bit of magical defense. It's not always useful. I rarely use it, but it's helpful to have. Um, yeah, I think that was it. Yeah, yeah and it gives obviously gives the the guys uh, a two plus rather yeah, than a three plus, which is very important. So an objective game. Uh, you see, I've got a horde of Numenor. Uh, you've got the big heroes here as well. Um, what was your game plan here? Uh, and you know, did did you did you fancy your chances? I always fancy my chances with this list. Surprisingly, um, the game plan really was to sit back with the Necromancer and see if I could 
deal with any heroes, just pin them in place, maybe a couple of chill souls, a couple of wounds, just make them use resources early uh, and try and get them out of the game. Uh, after that, the reliance was just on throwing the Nazgul in recklessly and just kill as many Numenorans as possible, thin the horde, and then after that, look at some objectives and see what I can grab towards the end of the game. Mm. Yeah, and it's quite, it's quite a tricky one for me um, to, to play because the, your natural instinct is to do something like trap, kill, surround, do all these sorts of things to make sure that you, um, you, know, you, you kill them, but they come back so easily that it's actually it's almost risking your guys by doing that so my, my kind of game plan was focus in on one or two Nazgul and really really go for them uh, so I, I like the first turn that I could, could charge anything I sent like four dudes into one I think it was probably the uh, one on one of the ends of the the abyssal night uh, and eventually uh, I think I and a sealed or charge Kamul so uh, the I, I thought well if I can if I can uh, t chip some might off these guys as soon as you start losing these guys that you know permanently then you know it gives me a really good chance of grabbing all the objectives slowly to do that but the the second objective was uh, to kind of draw your ring waves forward to allow my guys uh, uh basically a big squad of guys to go for um go for the necromancer himself and try and chip off some wounds and and in fact I'm, I'm, that that worked really well i got lucky in the sense that um you uh, you won the first combat against uh, elendil and because uh, he has Drained Soul, he could have killed me in one go, but uh, I managed to fake the roll, so I survived that one turn. But then the next turn I had a sealed door, uh, Elendil, loads of dudes, or... Uh, oh no, actually it wasn't Elendil because he'd failed the courage check or something. Yeah, um, yeah, but <coughs> I took, what was it, nine wounds? I yes. put nine wounds on him. Yes, so just explain, the, the, for people who can't remember, the Necromancer's got a special mechanic with wounds. So the Necromancer only has a single wound and he has no fate. However, he can use his will points as fate points. So with 25 to start with, he's, he's very tanky. He can take a lot of hits. Um, but again, you... You hit him the way you have to, you trapped him, held him in place, and then just piled on with as many dice as you could. Yeah. Uh, and that's how you drag him down. Yeah. You have to get him trapped, throw on the wounds, and then let the dice go. And I have to say, my spears were essential here. Having spears on everything meant that I could uh, pretty much char charge stuff without, um, uh, w without often being just a swordsman on something. There was often a, a way of kind of jiggery-pokering an extra spear in there. But this time, I think I had four or five on the front uh, of spear dudes uh, with uh, with spears supporting them plus a sealed door it was it was deadly and um, it didn't quite kill him in one go but i think it chipped him down to four or three uh, something like three, that will yeah, yeah. Down, down to three in uh, in one go um so yeah it's it's the way to do it yeah. um you did the right thing big squad hits the necromancer drags him down um but again it's that's just what it is. Yeah, and you got, and, and from there, I suppose I had to, I then had to kill the the ringwraiths, which is still bloody hard to kill. It's still coming back on three ups after that. Um, but I think they, st because I, I, my my method early on of trying to really really go for one while I had the chance, chipped off a couple of might points off Kamul, uh, so one off Kamul and one off the dark headsman or well I don't I don't it doesn't really matter which one of them as well um, and it's just slowly started chipping away enough that by the sort of mid game I think you'd lost one and then the end game you'd lost two and that doesn't sound like much but when you've only got a eight model army it means that I have a big big chance to mop up the objectives oh, I was what one model away from breaking at yeah. the end um, once the Nazgul start to go down it's a very big difference because they are the core of the army uh, and once you lose one or two you can find yourself overwhelmed really quickly yeah. um, to be fair by that point though 
I think I'd thinned out enough Numenorians that it wasn't as bad as it could have been. Oh, yeah. So, that, uh, I, I think it, you, you broke me um, fairly easily. Well, and I'd, it was only after I had broken that I'd started taking down the, uh, the Nazgul permanently. Um, and and the, I think we had, what, three rolls for the game to end? Is that right? And it ended yeah, on the three. third. Yeah, yeah three. Yeah. So so it wasn't a sort of ridiculously long amount of time. It felt sort of about right in, in terms... I didn't feel like it went on too long and I didn't feel like, um, you know, it ended too early to not give you a chance to stay in the game. Yeah. But, but yeah, ultimately, I, I think I got lucky a couple of times. A, the, the fate on Elendil with the Drain Soul and the fact that um, he, he narrowly survived a, a strike-off against... Uh, one of your uh, one of you guys that it was the was it Slayer? I I thought it was the guy who did the D three wounds. But either way, um, whoever it was, uh, he 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 rolled a one for your uh, your strike off, which you know you can't do much about that. Um, Either way, I had three heroes in. alive at the end of the game and that was essential Elendil could bounce from one objective to another uh, pretty much and charge people it was yeah it was it was pretty uh, pretty toasty in the end but and it it was close but I managed to squeak a 9-2 victory Uh, so I got most of the objectives and one of them was neutralized so uh, managed to steal a few points away from you despite breaking and having my leader wounded but I guess all hero army you're often going to struggle with these sorts of scenarios so I guess you're not going to be too crying yeah. about it <laughs> no an objective game I'm I'm used to it I, I see an objective game and I know I'm going to be on the back foot yeah. I know it's going to be an uphill battle mm. um, but at the end of the day if I can kill enough things and make other things run away uh, I can actually stand a pretty good chance yeah. Well, you played it perfectly. Uh, I think it's just, as you say, I, I needed to fail a few more courage checks, uh, and because I did get a lot of lot of guys into combat. That courage four, even though it's pushed down to a three, really, really paid dividends here. That pure Numenor army bonus, uh, uh, reaping the rewards. Either way, uh, an, another success. Uh, maybe I'm off to dizzying heights, but uh, in the meantime, well, thanks very much for the game. No, cheers. Thank cheers. you. Cheers, mate. So, game three, final game of the day. We're playing divide and conquer, which. I must say, I think I don't think I've ever done particularly well in this scenario. Um, it's one where you've got to divide your army in half, uh, put them in different corners, and then fight into the middle. There's a central objective worth five victory points, and then the two uh, on the central line also worth a couple of points to each. I think it is uh, playing against Alex. Alex, um, what what have you brought to the tournament? What have you got for your 800 points? So I bought the Depths of Moria. Yeah. So obviously I've got the Balrog. Balrog. <laughs> oh yeah, the Balrog. Uh, normally, from what I've seen, people take is usually like the drum trolls. You know, they limit their model count. So I thought I'd go the opposite way. So I've got no drum. I've got no cave trolls. It's just the Balrog, which is quite a big risk because mm. I'm relying on him. But it's 55 models. Yeah. I've got three captains, and I took the Black Shield Shaman instead of a Shaman, mm. just for the ability to shatter banners give me the upper hand if my dice roll is going well yeah it's, it's not a bad idea because as you say you can have the drum which gives you a banner or you can go I'll delete your banner yeah but also as well with my banner it doesn't affect the Balrog which yeah. is the main key of it so what's the point really yeah. that's where you want it to work that's interesting it's a good strategy you've got a few prowlers in there like what 8, 9 maybe 15 15 oh wow okay that explains why I, I did so poorly okay no, well, we'll, we'll, get, we'll get into the results in a second but first of all like when you saw what I got, Elendil, Isildur, there's some pretty beefy heroes and a swarm of fight for strength for dudes. What did you think and did you have a strategy? Well, what I thought was obviously my might is only one more than you. I knew about the whole combat you got for free, same as me, so it wasn't really much of a loss for me. It was more that I'm going to use my might to try and push forward as quick as I can, force you to use what might you can to do that. And then just start, if I lose the priority, just start calling her own moves force you to burn yours because that's my tactic in most of them 
is force them to burn their might because that's all my mates for it's either marches or moves goblin captains they're not going to do anything magnificent they're just there to ex two attacks at strength four um, and make me moves so that was my plan it was basically I saw the way positioned and I thought right okay best thing to do is run forward but you're not going to go near the Balrog so I'm still going to run both sides so I can get a bit of advantage but hope, hope for you to go full concentration on the far side away from the Balrog mm. but because I had the five warbands try and keep most of them on the side with the Balrog so keep the numbers on the Balrog but I didn't want to lose the Shaman until he did all the shattering so I had a captain the Balrog and the Shaman on the one side and two captains just running up you, I, I've clearly fallen into your trap then because like basically you say, you've just said step people stay away from the Balrog and I did and I really probably shouldn't have done that now I'm thinking about it I was looking at the, the after we sort of finished I was thinking well I've avoided the Balrog because the Balrog's scary right like I mean it's 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 so difficult he could set me on fire he can kill me uh, in one go pretty much but I can also do a lot of damage to him if I surround trap strike blah 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 it's, it feels quite difficult to do that so my idea was to go right okay I'll churn through one side with basically holding my army so I marched uh, Isildur and the captain I deployed wrong I should have put the captain with um, Elendil which was a, just because I didn't work out the maths of going one way to the other I'm clearly very tired um, and so I, I, I tried to get them all together to try and focus down on the two captains kill that side of the, the force and then thought if I, hopefully I won't have lost too many guys I can then sweep into the middle and maybe then try and take on the Balrog so I didn't want to spend any might doing that and instead, I just hit your your warband and just stopped. It was it just I don't know what happened. Like Ellendil failed so many heroic combats. The guys they just weren't churning through the stuff in the way that I was expecting, and it just meant you could sweep through to the middle and and dominate the central objective. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I know you said before the banner doesn't mean that much, but you, as you should know, I'm sure you know. The banner is quite essential. I mean, you had it near your main guy, three whole combs. Yeah. As soon as I got rid of it, you rolled a three. As soon as I rolled a five or six, you're burning too much might. And it's like, that's the whole point. Yeah, or, lose, or just losing against the goblin with a shield, which yeah, I did a lot. Twice, yeah. two turns on a run, because you rolled a three and then I rolled a six. And it's like, if you had that reroll, even if you got a five, it wouldn't mean that much might as much. Mm. Yeah, you're right. I, I think, because I, I did say at one point you'd, you'd kill the banner and... I think I divided my force in such a way that meant that the banner wouldn't have been in a great position. So I think that's what I meant. But yes, you're right. I needed it for the heroes, which was a bad move. But I mean, he bounced a lot and Elendil didn't do great. And, and I think I just spent far too much time cowering away from the Balrog, who just minced through loads of Numenorians. I mean, it was just constant. I think I sent like a contingent of 15 dudes um, up into uh, your sort of Balrog squad. And uh, what the, the intention was to try and get like maybe five six seven kills so i think i there was a I, I got a good i think i got a you set up these quite clever um sort of shield shield, shield dudes track. yeah like yeah. these guys that, that sort of came out in front and then you had to go past them and trap to, to get so you kind of trap between their lines in order to uh, to try and charge you but I, I i kind of maybe i fell into the trap maybe i just thought it looked looked tempting because the prowlers are on the other side of those those goblins and I, I thought I had enough guys that I'd probably kill a few. I knew I was going to lose a lot, but um, I didn't expect to lose all the fights or, or not kill anyone in the fights and lose a lot uh, of Numenorians in return. So I think maybe, maybe that, that, that demoralised me a bit. I think, I've, you know, I, it's the end of a tiring day as well. Yeah. But yeah, I definitely felt a bit crap. And, and then the Balrog just does the, the stuff that the Balrog does. 
So uh, yeah, you just churn through and. You were playing it perfectly. Like, I really can't can't fault you at all. You had some fantastic strategies, especially how uh, model placement here. Yeah, uh, that's actually probably the best I've actually done. I mean, the dice roll was. Why do you have to do it against me, man? Like, what have you got <laughs> well, against me? I, to be fair, it's my first time being this high up in yeah. the rankings ever. I've always lost, always won one, and then lost the last two. Yeah, we're on three, table three. Yeah. yeah, table three is the highest I've been. Four, five has been the highest in the past. Uh, the winner of last and I ended up against him on the second game too tabled me mm. and I had Duran and Gwaii and he uh, when I mean table I mean everything then mm. it just went no way and uh, that's because uh, he tempted me with Gwaii to mm. Azog and I was like and like you overthink over calculate I should have just gone in I had the fight value he'd have to burn his might I'd just counter I need yeah. two plus and I think that's the problem that, that's the sort of thing that I hear I, I always forget, and this is a, a, probably a thing that lots of people do, is I'm very conscious of what other players have, and I think that's a scary model. But I forget that you're also thinking that about my stuff. Like, you're probably thinking, oh, Elendil and Isildur, strength five guys, plus a captain with a lance, that's, that could make quick work of a Balrog. Like, I mean, it's probably not going to kill it in one go, but with a bit of help it might do, or certainly chop a hell of a lot of wounds off. And, you know, I've got might to win the fights, all that sort of stuff. I never think that. I never think that you're scared of my models. I always think it the opposite way. So I end up playing probably too cautiously and not actually going for it and just letting you chop with your massive monster. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what, what, one of the main things, like I say, is I use the spears to back up the powerless more than the, the shieldmen can shield if they need to, if they're trapped, as you've seen. Uh, like I say, the shieldmen are just there to be shield wall, mm. go up, have the powerless a couple of inch back, put them spread out about an inch or two between each other so you can't get cavalry through but you can get infantry if you do. I'm going to trap you, I'm going to throw throwing weapons into the combat, I don't care if I kill my own guys because you can't break me until the Balrog's wounded. And then I always make sure as well from what I've learned is don't put the Balrog too cockily forward because as you, like I say, the, you being scared of it is an advantage but if you'd gone in, all you got to do is roll that six, forcing me to have to roll that six. If I don't roll that six, I've got no might, I've got mm. no rerolls, I've got nothing. Yeah, and true. then I lose the fight. Yeah, you, you, to be fair, you did roll quite a few sixes. But. <laughs> yeah, I did. I did yeah. <laughs> yeah, you did. But, uh, but uh, you played it perfectly. I was playing it too cautiously, um, and, and I kind of got sort of um, trapped in my own kind of uh, worrisomeness. Uh, so I ended up uh, with a massive 9-0 loss. Um, so the only thing that uh, you didn't get was you didn't wound or or do anything to Elendil really because he was just fannying around the whole time just uh, killing one goblin every three turns or something like that so so yeah it, it uh, you played it perfectly you played it really well table three you're going to be on the way up or maybe staying around here with three wins I mean that's that's a pretty pretty good pretty good uh, record in a tournament like this and um, just one final question what do you think you would have done in my shoes because I, I genuinely have no idea because something like a Balrog with 50 models on the table as well I have no idea what I would have done what would you have done? Well the main crucial thing is you've got to trap the Balrog mm. seen it plenty of times, you trap the Balrog you get the, all you got to do is roll that, get the strike you've got plenty of striking I've not got the movement, I'm only movement 5 I've only got 4 might over there, mm. you could have just mited and ran this way, put a few got warriors So you think I should have just sent everything over to the Balrog? Send a few over there yeah, and do so what I was doing, shield, shield you've got the fight value over there that yeah, side, to block off the other side. So rather than picking on the weak warband, sort of holding up the weak warband and going for yeah. the uh, yeah Balrog. And like I say, playing it cheekily, like even just putting one, just for now, putting one guy cripple this side. So put one guy into the Balrog, get a courage, get it through. Put one guy behind him with a spear, try and manoeuvre it so that no matter what I can do, 
even if I try and get in, I'm only going to get another one guy and just sacrifice a few guys, shred it through. And if I fluff it, I'm getting pushed back. The guy before you, he put a berserker in. I fluffed three turns on the run. He actually caused the wound. And the Balrog literally killed nothing for three turns. Mm. So I would have gone this side. I would have made sure to. Have, I, yeah, yeah, you're right. I gave you, I gave you room to breathe, didn't you I? I, I essentially breathe. did. Yeah, and and because your you, your clever strategy with the with the sending like this sort of vanguard of, of dudes uh, that, that kind of shielded it off, it meant that I was kind of tra- having to trap myself rather than forcing you to trap me. You weren't playing to the the strengths of my army, which is shield wall because you don't have that strength, you're playing to the strength of your army, which is a wise idea. Trapping, <laughs> yeah. Trapping and, get, and, and yeah. Generally. With the Balrog, within six, plus one fight, powers of fight three, fight four, you're equal. Yeah. All I've got to do is hope for that six, yeah. with the spear support. Yeah, and strength three against defence five, you, you're chopping through me, aren't you? So, well, either way, uh, Alex, you played really, really well. I, I, I think I played quite poorly. Um, I also think that my dice didn't, didn't really help me out, but... I, I'll, I'll accept that. You played perfectly. Um, congratulations. Well done. A 9-0 uh, win to you. And it means you're going up, up the tables, I suspect, uh, facing some uh, nasty people tomorrow. I'm sure it'll be good fun. Oh, yeah, Joyce. <laughs> I was actually, I even said to you at the start, yeah, you did. I'm going to let you win, but I'm not going to let you win easily. Yeah. Unfortunately, that was the point where <laughs> I uh, decided to make myself win. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I I, well, I'm happy with the mid-table for the time being until I get more and more experience. But Indeed. Crap. Well, I'm going back <laughs> down where I belong. All right, let's, uh, I'll talk again tomorrow morning. So all in all, a pretty successful day one. I'm pretty happy with uh, two and one uh, there. Two wins against Adam and Sam. Uh, the uh, Adam's game, I think, if I'm honest, I think I I, I got away with it. Um, Adam maybe made some uh, tactical mistakes. He didn't throw and made some uh, forgot things, simple things like uh, not putting the ring on with Frodo and you know trying and taking Elendil out using the ring because that could have really diddled me uh, if he'd got me in the wrong place because he had so much more money than me he had the sort of the chance to do that I think if he was smart about it but uh, luckily um, I managed to churn through and he, he could have moved Magil and his warband along a bit quicker to, to try and capture so you know I, I, I did a pretty I think I did a pretty standard strategy against him and just you know take on one side of his army um, while I had the chance and sort of deny him the the chance to get all his troops in on me at once if he'd have if he'd have maybe deployed in a way that that prevented that it could have uh, could have definitely gone against me. Sam was a similar sort of uh, situation, really. I felt like it was kind of just look look, look really. I mean, uh, maybe the game lasted a bit longer than it should have done, but I don't think I played it badly. I went straight for uh, the 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 necromancer, which I think is the way to beat this list. I mean, you cannot kill. Uh, all those Nazgul without killing the Necromancer and making it three ups because just on two ups you just never ever it's just not going to happen like it feels so unlikely to kill any of them but once I killed the Necromancer it made it a little bit harder started chipping away at the might and uh, he was just really struggling to chop through me because uh, I had just the right heroes in the right spots at all the right times and uh, that just denied him the uh, the fight value advantage so really proud of that win actually because it was a real slog really uh, oppressive playing against those uh, uh, Nazgul Nazgul that come back to life and Alex in the last game uh, honestly I just made a mistake I mean uh, I shouldn't have let the Balrog go uh, so hard I if if I'd have just gone well screw it let's throw a sealed door and Elendil into and the captain into the Balrog um I might have taken it out 
Uh, Newman Owens wounding it on what sixes by something or other. Maybe I don't know. Okay, is it defense ten or something? So uh, yeah, I mean, there's not. It's not impossible. But with a lance, with a uh, with a sealed door on strength five and a, a Elendil on strength five plus one. I mean, yes, I'd have had to take a a roll off at some point. But it's either that. I've, I've got to kill it or, or nothing. I mean, I'm, even if I chop away all his troops and divide and conquer, there's no way uh, I can just kill all of the goblins. That, that I just felt like that was unlikely um, uh, in hindsight. Yeah, I thought my strategy was fairly kosher in terms of killing one warband so that he had less things to peel off the Balrog once I got into the Balrog. But um, yeah, it, just, it was just slightly disappointing. Some really clever strategies by uh, Alex in that uh, last game there. 9-0 loss, but still... Uh, or was it 9-2? I can't remember. Uh, I can't read my notes properly. But either way, um, interesting. Interesting. 2-1. and one, Still pretty happy with that. What will happen on day two? We'll find out in a second. But first, a reminder, as I said at the start of the uh, podcast... This one was punctuated by a camping experience like no other. I've managed to survive the cold and snow from the previous night, but tonight, could I even make it home uh, amid the weather and survive another night in a windy, cold tent? Well, uh, you can watch the video to find out more Battle Games in Middle-earth on YouTube, but here's a little bit of a flavour of what happened on night two before day number two's action. That mini's really struggling on the hill. Oh my god. That 4x4 is going for it. I'm going to keep reversing for a bit. Turn around further up. Night two in the tent. Wind gusts are up to about 45 miles an hour, uh, apparently. Which is causing some sort of bowing in the tent. It's fine. It's holding. But... Yeah, it's just a bit, a bit iffy at the moment. It's kind of hard to sleep. Yeah. Oh, brilliant. That's good because I'm not playing the same thing. I'm playing John. Right, <laughs> round number four. Uh, Steve Crow is being an absolute bugger here on the speaker. He wants to talk over the uh, sound system exactly when I'm recording. Um, but we're here, round four, day number two at the Scouring of Cheshire and playing against J-Max, Armies of Middle-Earth. It's John McCorkadale. Welcome to the podcast. I know, first time. First, first time. time. It's very exciting, very exciting. So, I mean, if people don't know uh, you, you do lots of really cool stuff on YouTube, um, often sort of focusing on the sort of the histories of Tolkien and sort of the early years, the first age, second age, that sort of stuff. First Mostly age, first, first age. Yeah. First age, best age. First age, best age. And so, so uh, before we get into the game, which was hold ground, uh, just give us an idea, a rundown of what you list and what you're using to proxy some of these things, which is they're pretty cool. So, uh, I'm starting with Glorfindel, classic. Um, he's just running some. Oh, sorry, I'm not, not used to that. He's just moving around. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. You, you, I'll follow you. Don't worry. You close. keep talking. You yeah, keep right, talking. So I'll move I've the got, ca- uh, microphone for you. And just some normal elves, different weapons. Nothing exciting there. Well, and hold then, on. I, uh, they, they, oh yeah, they have got. They have yeah, got normal. Just, they're just the normal boys. Normal dudes. Yeah. Uh, then we've got Ecthelion, the Lord of the Fountains. And he's got eight Kingsguard and a banner with him. So he's he's, he's been uh, proxying glo- uh, for G- 
Gale Gallad. Pro- proximity is Gale Gallad. Uh, so he's the leader and he has uh, the plus one point for the plus one fight for the Kingsguard. And it's a Boromir of the White Tower. I've converted up. Yeah, it, it looks fantastic. I couldn't recognise it at first, but as soon as you said it, it's... it's 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 a really it's yeah it's a colour scheme it's white it's it's, be- it's beautiful and he's got a big shield and a head which has got like I mean you said Lord of the Fountains it lo- it kind of reminds me of the Fountain Court Guard heads uh, actually because it's got like yeah. a fan uh, on on either side of sort of feathers yeah if I'd had more time I had to, I wanted to do like white blue kind of stripes on the but I just left them as armour for today because yeah. I ran out of time. It looks or, really I, didn't, nice. I, didn't, I didn't get my banner painted either, but we'll, we'll not mention that. No, no it, it looks nice though. It's a nice crisp white banner anyway. And then you've got a final warband, which is... This is the different one. So I've got Rog and the Hammers of Wrath. Um, so it's a, just a captain, unfortunately. There's no, you can't weapon swap a named hero, otherwise it would have been Elrond with a hammer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But unfortunately you can't do that. So it's just a captain with a hammer, well, a mace, and a bunch of guys with weapon swaps. They've all got hammers and flails they look absolutely amazing and these are some uh, of them are yeah some of them are devel uh, miniatures so they're the um bloody the, the bloody elves they sort of hammer hammer dudes the rest of them are gw uh, but the, he- the hammers are from the old empire woven knights ah yes yes i thought i recognized them from somewhere so so lots of thought and theme has gone into this list it's really cool so many elves what was it 32 33 31 i think so 31 elves so and we're playing hold ground um, we both kind of got pretty similar armies, except mine yeah. and Numenor, so I've got a few more so, warriors. Yeah, you've got big hitters and a captain. I've got big hitters and a captain. Yeah. So, so w- what did you think when you're going into this? Um, you know, we, obviously Maelstrom can play havoc with stuff, but yeah. what was your what was your aim and, and did you fancy your chances? Well, Maelstrom, you never really know. <laughs> um, luckily, I won. No, I lost priority. That's what you want to do. Yes. But then your two warbands didn't come on, so it left me with a bit of... had to plan a bit yeah so uh, I, I had my captain come on first um, and then both my uh, leader Elendil and, and Isildur rolled a one so um, and I didn't think it was worth spending any might on to come up so so he came on uh, the captain came on on one corner or one middle of one board edge and basically you kind of you went for it and uh, spent a bit of might and Glorfindel and Gilgalad went and kind of surrounded him yeah just for God's sake Stephen Crow. We'll just wait for, you know, trying to claw back 15 minutes. He's finished his announcement. So, yeah, so <laughs> your two warbands basically were yeah. bullying the captain. Yeah, I was planning to kill him a lot faster and get a wee point of might back in Gilgalad, but unfortunately I forgot to roll them individually. Yeah, so you did, you did basically, you, you, you put loads and loads of wounds on him and I just decided not to take the fate on um, some of the early wounds, which, yeah. which, which denied you. I did name me the night point, which yeah. is a big... It's, it was an important thing, but also, cru- they, thank you, thank you. They, they did, del- it just crucially did what I wanted to happen, because I charged the captain in, and it delayed a lot of your dudes from getting in, meant you had slightly fewer had numbers the in the middle. That held up three elves yeah, for yeah. Uh, six uh, turns. One Numenorean <laughs> was shielding against three dudes for, uh, it, it was ages and ages, so, oh, which was, five yeah, five turns, maybe, it was crazy, um, and he did a great job doing that, so that was brilliant. So it's just denying you getting extra dudes in the middle. Meanwhile, my guys were trying to push towards the centre. Because of that, you were able to kill more of my elves, which denied me the, um, the numbers I needed to win the game. Because yeah. you were able to chop through them. 
in my big heroes kind of sat doing nothing until like the last turn. Yeah, because they were they were quite slow to get into the centre because they were too, too busy chopping away at the captain and things like that. Elendil and Isildur did an absolute number on some of the elves that were left there, and particularly one turn. Yeah, well, Elendil fell once or twice, but it, he crucially he had the fight seven, so he was able to chop away at the fight six dudes quite easily. Isildur was able to chop away at the fight five dudes quite easily. It was really, really, uh, really nice. I, it was. I think they did exactly what I wanted them to do, which was nice. And generally, my Numenorians just didn't die when they when yeah. they were losing combats. You were really I, struggling to wound them. I think I won all the combats in the last turn, but I didn't didn't didn't, yeah. didn't get a single kill. <laughs> yeah. Other than other than the the heroes, you were absolutely um, yeah you, you you won most and as you would expect. Priorities. I won all the priorities. I didn't want to win, yeah. but then. I lost the crucial ones yeah. and the roll-offs. Yeah, a couple of roll-offs didn't go your way as well. Last roll-off, maybe, if I got the two combats that I wanted yeah. with Gilgalad and Glovendale, I don't know if I could have killed enough, do you think? I think you'd have killed a few more, but you weren't going to kill um, an extra nine more, because yeah. I think I, I had nine more in the centre. I mean, you might, yes, you might have been able to choose the fights in a different way to make sure that yeah. you had more of an advantage in the centre. I think it was going to be very difficult for you to get the... F uh, to, to pip the centre. But, I mean, the game ended it on the exactly the right turn yeah. for me. Yeah. First turn, it, it, we rolled... Yeah, I think if it kept going, my heroes are bigger, bigger. Yeah. And exactly, yeah. And Asildor and uh, Elendil are out of my, and you've got a fight nine, um, Gil Galad, who's going to absolutely chop through my heroes, get Mike back, and is going to dominate the late game. So uh, you'd I killed the, the Lord of Balrog, so you'd hope you would be able to kill the Elendil. <laughs> you'd hope so. Well, either way, uh, John, it's, it's been an absolute yeah, pleasure playing. Uh, yeah, and game. yours is a fantastic. I mean, you've heard the theme. It's a beautiful looking army as well, and uh, hopefully we'll put some pictures up, and, or, and I'm sure we'll see it on the uh, uh, J Max Armies of Middle Earth yep. YouTube channel uh, in the coming days. <laughs> Well, thanks very much for the game, by the way. Best of luck for the rest of the tournament. Yeah, you too. Cheers. Game number five, Scouring of Cheshire. And uh, playing Destroy the Supplies up against Jake Litherland. And um, I must say, this, this was a sweaty game. We were, we were exhausted. Our brains must have been on overdrive during this game. It's a, it's a real thriller. Um, first of all, Jake, let's just start right at the start. What, what's your army? What have you got for the whole tournament here? So I have brought Azog from Azog's Legion. He's got a couple of Gundabad's bats with him. I've got a Goblin Mercenary Warband, and then I've allied in all of the three Might Hunter Orc heroes, um, Yasneg, Thimble, and Nazog. Um, and then just a smattering of Hunter Orcs and a couple of Wargs. Yeah, and there's quite a lot of models. How many have you got? 43. 43. Four, 43. So just over what I've got... Um, but of course, you have quite, you've got the mobility of the, the bats and the Wargs, and you've got the... the um, the sort of annoyingness of the uh, the goblins dropping behind the enemy lines and um, what uh, you know destroy the supplies you've got to burn these three objectives at the back of the board uh, each trying to protect or maybe just attack depending on what your strategy is what was your aim in the game here so I wanted to push up to about a third on. I, I moved half the first couple of turns, so as you were running at me, I was popping off a couple of shots. Uh, at the start of the game, we talked about bows. I had 11, you had six. So I thought, maybe maybe I can pop a couple. And we did. We popped a couple off as we ran at each other. And then I sort of made a line just behind the middle of the board on my side. And I was hoping I could keep you held up in combats in the middle, keep surrounding Elendil to try and minimize his free heroic combats, and then use my bats to swing around the edge, maybe the goblins, to grab your objectives yeah. while we were fighting in the middle. And it kind of worked. It did, it did kind of work, yeah, to do that. And um, one of the, the things that, that did change the game a little bit quite early on was you, you failed your courage check for the goblins to turn up, so they turned up a lot earlier than you were probably planning, which I thought was going to be a fantastic thing for me because uh, Isildur was hovering there. I had about sort of 10, maybe 50, somewhere between 10 and 15 um, Numenorians basically smashed straight into this goblin horde in the first couple of turns. And it was an absolute 
disaster. I've never seen goblins fight like that. Isildur went straight in on his horse and immediately the goblins just ate it. They, yeah. they pulled it apart, there were legs flying everywhere yeah. and then uh, Isildur went down and I popped a wound on him I think as well at yeah, the same yeah, time. You took, yeah, you took two, I think it was two wounds on him um, and I fated one of them and then failed the second one, spent a point of might to, to up it because I just did not want to, uh, oh no, no, I just, I just took the wound I think, that's what I did. Um, so it, but it, it was grim, it was really grim and uh, even right at the end of the game, um, Isildur is on his own in that um, building, this sort of ruins that the goblins appeared in, sort of Oscillith, the old Oscillith ruins, uh, and he's still fighting the goblin captain and one of his mates. So uh, that, that battle lasted the whole game and pretty much absorbed all of my flank. And so your Hunter Orcs did join in, and one of the uh, one of the uh, sort of Hunter Orc captains, yeah. I can't remember which one, joined in. But um, kind of the main the main thrust of this was, I, I genuinely think the only reason. I was able to grab your objectives, which you know I, I just about did, yeah. was because you moved half for the first two turns. Because mm-hmm. the, the lines were just that little bit closer to your objectives than they were to mine. But then you didn't care about that because you had bats, yes. and they just yeah. grabbed all those objectives anyway. So uh, it was 100% the moment. I was, I was way too close to my own objective. I had a thin line of hunter orcs, and Elendil just went in, and with one heroic combat, he made it to the objective. Um, I couldn't catch him. He ended up burning it, and then he, he had free reign on my back line, basically, to jump across, get the other objective, and he even made it. So that was the middle one he got first. He made it to the one on the other side, and then made it back across the board to the other side is heroic combats with helping him get his steps in for the day I think yeah yeah he was he was absolutely zooming around the battlefield um, and and this is despite I must say Azog uh, tearing me a new one pretty much uh, early on like uh, he was chopping through orcs and generally the hunter orcs just churning like the the uh, cat my captain lost his horse pretty quickly to I think it was just an orc or two orcs I can't remember and the, the, my Numenorans were going down and I was feeling awful in the first few turns I was, just, I was just like I don't know how I'm going to be able to recover this because they just they were dying in fights that they just shouldn't have been dying in statistically 100%, 100%. and yeah. you had the fight value on me you had the strength you're winning me on fours mm. and I, I was either winning the fights or you were rolling threes or twos when, when you did win um, I think the thing that really well it swung the game you managed to just kill enough to break me and then you committed to keeping my heroes tied up in combat so I couldn't use a stand fast and you killed my warhorn with a lendial so by that time my god, just run away! <laughs> yeah, yeah, and they, by god, did they run away. And that, that basically handed me a, a, a very, very close chance to, to win, the, uh, win the game in, in the end. But to be fair, you, you kept it right in the game until the very, very last turn. Uh, there was an a, a amazing couple of turns where I basically I won priority two turns in the shot. You, you, yeah, which was massive. You only had one point of might, but you obviously you were saving that for the potential Ellendale fight, which was sensible. Um, but in the end, you, did, you decided, right, okay, I'm just going to have to heroic combat. I still had a banner on the table, which is worth points. You didn't have a banner, mm-hmm. which is brilliant and crucial here uh, to, to me pipping it in the end. But it, was, it came down essentially to uh, Azog spent a point of might to heroic combat off one dude into Ellendil, who was on the final objective. And uh, he goes for it, he wins the fight and kills the orc. Uh, so it kills the Numenorian, charges into Elendil. It's three dice against three dice. I do have a banner, so I've got a slight edge perhaps to get the six, which we both got the six. Uh, no, we both got a five, actually. Yes. Yeah, we couldn't, um, really yeah, couldn't quite get the six. Uh, it's been a long day of them of fighting. So, um, And then it, it literally came down to a roll-off, who wins this one. And, and I, got the, I got the 50-50, uh, which Elendil then promptly chopped Azog's head off 
um, and essentially that swung the game from from you know basically making my leader alive and also keeping my um, keeping my banner alive. There was nothing left to, to really threaten those guys. No, if we're, and if we're looking at the table, is literally Elendil, his banner, and his two friends. One Numenorian off on his own. Isildur in the other building with his goblins. And, and these are in all four corners of the board, literally. Yeah. <laughs> we, we've been all over this board, yeah. and, and there's so little left. It's been an absolute slugfest of yeah, a game. Yeah, it's been it's been fantastic. Though. And and a special shout out to my two uh, Numenorian dudes <laughs> who like held up a couple of bats for a couple of turns, uh, just to just to delay the, the the sort of inevitable burning of that objective, but. It, it didn't really matter. You got all three of your objectives, and the game just ended on the the roll of a, a one or two because we we were playing to a different end condition. Whoopsie! It should have been twenty five percent, but we'll ignore that because it could have changed everything some turns ago. <laughs> we'll keep that quiet. But uh, yeah, so we decided we're, uh, we're ending it on a one or two, and, um, and that's that's big because the. This, this final turn, Ellendale would have burned the objective because he's fought, he didn't take the objective. Um, which means, you know, if we had another turn, maybe it would have been different. But we were, both of us were well beyond quarter. Uh, so we've got a few, few uh, models left. Either way, ended up being a 9-7 win to me. 9-7. And that just comes down to Azog charging and trying to kill Ellendale in the last turn. 100%. If he, if he would have managed to kill Ellendale or even pop a wound on him, uh, you wouldn't have got the two points for killing my leader. Yeah. I would have even got just one point for, for wounding yours and yeah. it would have swung the game completely. Yeah. It could have been a draw, could have been a win, could have been a loss, and I think that's a great game over there. Yeah, I, I always think uh, if things coming down to the last dice roll, then it's going to be really tense. And this was one of those games where, you know, I think the look went like a pendulum from <laughs> like from Isildur's fated combats that he just never really never really did anything other than roll three he won fights pretty consistently uh, but he just never killed anything after losing his horse it was pretty grim um, but like then again my my Warriors held on just in the right places to stop objectives, and they managed to pip off a couple of wounds off Azog. Uh, no, took out the fate of yeah, Azog one yeah. turn. It was two, two guys, two guys. Um, I whiffed the combat. I was like, oh, I'm not spending might on that. I think I rolled a four high, you yeah. rolled a six. So it's like two points of might. It's only two guys, not a chance. And then two sixes, two yeah. wounds off Azog, both of his fate, and two points of might because I rolled a two on the second fate. I yeah. didn't want you to have that leader wound. Yeah. So. And so, uh, little things like that, they, they do swing back and forwards. And I think you've got to always remember that, that the look will come back as, uh, and Maybe I'd lost hope at early points when Isildur had lost his horse and the captain had lost his horse to some lowly goblin. Uh, but either way, Jake, it was an absolute thrill of a, of a match. Uh, and, it, you know, I mean, the scoreline does really reflect how close this one is. It could have easily been 9-7 the other way around. Oh, yeah, definitely. And you have games of Middle-earth that are really close that don't necessarily reflect that in the scoreline. It's nice to have one that does. Yeah. It was really, really, really hard fought. Elendil is a one-man army. He's oh, an absolute yeah. beast. Yeah. I mean, um, he's completely unwounded. I mean, he's, yeah. he's not even taking a fate, you know. I think I was overly cautious of Elendil. I think maybe committing Azog in earlier, I, there's a chance I could have got you. I ju it's again, it would have come down to the 50-50 roll off yes. most likely. But and that's the thing. If you, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but having said that, if you had done that earlier and the fight went the way it did, exactly. the 50-50 goes my way, Azog's dead, and then you have no way of, uh, you've got no agency in the game from then on, and I would have been just rolling around like nobody's business. It was a difficult one because I was wondering whether to charge into him early you know strike up and then I could have lost him and that's you know three points of might possibly if I spend the might on the wag to strike um, that's huge loss um, but then if you go in later you've not necessarily got the might which is what happened to might up to win the fight if you had one point of might left to might up to a six Elendil was out on might yeah. he wouldn't have been able to win so yeah, yeah. It's, yeah it, it's well, it, it, well exactly and and I, I think we, we were saying this in, in one of the previous games uh, yesterday that, that sometimes you, you look at the other people's 
models and think that's a scary thing Elendil's really scary but I was standing on the other side of the table thinking God Azog what am I going to do about Azog he's got master of battle he's got six points of might wounds me on threes this is an absolute disaster so I, I think we're both in the same boat really weren't we yeah and I think you've done really really well with your might management to only have eight might in this list obviously you've got the free hero we're going to lend you which and I lost huge. one because the yeah. captain died died with one in his yeah. hand so. um, and also a sealed door was buggering around doing nothing for yeah, most dancing game. with goblins in the yeah. ruins they were having a great grand old time no yeah. one was killing each other really yeah. everyone just ran away at the end yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly they just, just scarpered well either way Jake it's been a, it's been a hell of a hell of a game and um, I think that, that puts me on one loss overall so if I even if I win the, uh, lose the next one I'll be on four and two which I'll be very happy with so uh, congratulations best of luck on the next game cheers, mate. Carrie. cheers, cheers, mate. cheers. thank cheers. you final game of Lords of Battle it is here at the Scouring of Cheshire very very long weekend very tired we're all we're all ready for a nice kip but uh, playing in the final round against Andrew Stackhouse and Andrew um, first of all um, you've, d- you've done well to get to the, the, the sort of top positions you've, I think you were on four and one at the start of this round and um, what have you brought with you to, to, to find it uh, your way to the top tables well um, I enjoy playing Gondor so I brought those um, led by Boromir with his banner and he's mounted he's got nine uh, knights with himself my other heroes would be Irilas he's got four um, Fountain Court guards with shields he's got a banner and a mixture of warriors um, a couple with spears and then there's um, the Knight of the White Tower, so he's got his special sword. And then, again, same as Irilas. And then we've got Madril leading uh, a bunch of rangers. bunch of rangers. Lords of battle. So, um, you know, this is all around basically just getting stuck in, killing uh, the opponent. I, mean, I know you, you, you said you hadn't really played Numenor much before. Did you have a kind of idea of what to do? Maybe uh, any big ideas of how to maybe play this one, and particularly with sort of regards to deployment? Absolutely, I knew who I wanted to avoid. Um, your leader, cause it, especially with his heroics, I knew he could just bog um, Boromir down. So I wanted to make sure I got as many charges as possible with him, especially utilising his might. Um, so I made sure he was on the other side and then harass uh, Isildur. So that was the, the game plan from the beginning and he just played it through th- from there. Yeah, I, so you've got quite a lot of knights of Minas Tirith, and and I think uh, historically uh, people probably dismiss them. Uh, they usually fight three, but when they're near Boromir, they fight four. They've got the lance, they've got the charge. They were very, very powerful in this game. I mean, uh, how, how have they fared for you in general? Over the tournament, they've done a fantastic job. Um, there's been a couple of times where I've lost a few of them, but just the threat of them, especially being led by Boromir, almost not guaranteeing but almost guaranteeing the charge with the might Um, they've done absolutely fantastic those lances hit hard with the plus ones um, and the fight four like you say gives me a chance against loads of armies with fight four so yeah and and of course you've got the fight five as well across uh, much of your army with the fountain court and the the rangers kicking about as well which is very very helpful particularly against Numenor who you know like to think they're they're all hot shots with fight four but they're they're, they're not quite cutting the mustard and and I guess that was part of the problem here I think um, I mean, we had these two massive bits of terrain in the centre objective. So there's a huge Osgiliath ruin and a small kind of hut thing. And there's not really a lot of space to go between them. Uh, and because of the 24-inch deployment, I think we kind of had to... Um, I, I felt like I had to deploy in a bit of a bit of a, a shield wall. And, and I think that favours your army a bit. Oh, 100%. Because I put my fight threes at the front, front the uh, warriors, who are still defence six, but defence seven if we get managed to do the shield wall. And then back them up with the fight for um, guards. And like you say, if you manage to, because it was such a tight game, fortunate for me, I can then get Boromir near those guards to bump them to five and start winning those fights. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and I think there was a couple of things that didn't go great for me. Uh, I think the first couple of turns, I just 
didn't really sort of make any kind of impact. I, I think I had, you know, probably my. It's certainly on one side where your where Boromir hadn't really gotten in, stuck in yet, and and Elendil uh, failed his heroic combat. I just didn't really get enough movement. I, I think maybe I lost a few more fights than I perhaps should, or or didn't those didn't convert any of those fights either. So I think I just took a bit bit too long, and I think that first turn I lost like ten guys to to your your dudes for like a maybe two or three in return which which was a really really uh, tough tough start and you know i had to work really hard to try and grind that back absolutely um it was a tough call to begin with very unlucky uh, that heroic combat not going off with Elendil when he's just fighting one guard was very unlucky um, but it just tied you up long enough and he'd, he ended up doing the business you in, in the second round it was definitely the comeback of harry because you killed two of my heroes with a uh, charging captain yes. mounted and Elendil getting those might points back as well within Lord of Battle it was that felt like it was going to be a swing moment mm. and it certainly did put the momentum in your side but thankfully it didn't completely knock me out of the game yeah absolutely I mean you're right to point out those hero deaths because it meant the Night of the White Tower and it lasted pretty much nothing uh, in the whole game I mean uh, they spent some might I think but only to only to counter I think um the Knight of the White Tower struck up against Elendil, who struck back at him and got the higher fight. And Iralas called heroic defence, which really should have saved him. But um, I just got very lucky with the Knight. I, I rolled three sixes on the Knight and just took Iralas off the table in one go, which was I wasn't expecting. I don't, I don't think you were expecting it, but it gave the captain a point of might back as well. And he, he, he's still sitting there and proudly on his horse at the end of the game, you know, still still pretty much churning through stuff, which was which was very nice. Um, Isildur probably probably didn't because he was the uh, the road block I guess for Boromir he, he just I think he spent most of his time avoiding or trying to kind of hedge his way around uh, Boromir but the inevitable was going to happen and because you've got the higher fight to start with uh, it was always going to be a bit of a pot shot when I did get finally go go for it as to whether I, I managed to chip any wounds off and and sadly he did charge in um, he, he lost his horse and uh, you know they lost the strike off basically and it didn't go his way Boromir managed to uh, take his horse out but I think I think because he's got the defence 8 that really really helps and I keep forgetting that these these big heroes Elendil and Isildur they're so tanky they, they can actually pretty reliably charge someone like Boromir and, and you know not, not actually lose many wounds absolutely and I think in there was one round where I should have really killed him, but that defence kept him in it, so it just meant he bogged uh, Boromir down for that much longer. So it was a bit of a sponge in this game, but it was an effective one. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, that did allow Elendil to do more work on his side of the uh, the battle. But I think because I'd lost quite a lot already with the with the Knights on that side and Boromir was finally breaking through, it just meant that you you know you had, had the advantage. And initially you did have the, the start advantage because of that first turn. So I think you had 41 models on the table, I had 40, so... Uh, and you, once you'd killed that first 10 guys, it was it was pretty hard for me to catch up with you in terms of the kill count. Absolutely. It was always going to be an uphill struggle from there. And especially with me, we've already discussed the fight, fight boosts on the guards with Boromir made all the difference to the fights. I think I think what I should have done, I mean, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, I think I should have probably thrown a seal door into Boromir earlier and just gone for the strike off a couple more times because uh, he might well have survived it. And I'd have had more dudes to peel off the knights uh, at that point. So it was just... It would have just been a sealed door against Boromir. What do you think? Potentially, because um, you could dehorse Boromir and then move away from him, and Boromir becomes that little bit more less effective. Yeah. And the knights aren't as interesting then when they can't swarm the other side of the board. Yeah. Um, it very well could have gone the other way, um, but yeah. I don't know. 
Yeah, it was it was interesting one, uh, interest, interesting stuff. Um, but in the end, it ended up being a, a you got 42 points, uh, and I got 23. So uh, it, quite a decisive win, really, for you. I mean, not quite enough to double me uh, in order to get the real the, the sort of real momentum. But uh, I didn't didn't wound your leader. You didn't wound mine. And I was what three models or four models or three models off uh, breaking? I think at the end, you three models from breaking me. So it was very close. And I, I do feel like the 42 to 23 isn't a fair reflection of how the game went. But um, yeah, it was an excellent game. Thoroughly enjoyed. Thank yeah. you. I think I think that was just that was just a recipe of the fact that I lost so many in the first or first turn really, and and also your we should mention your bows, um, Madril and five or four or five rangers were sat on a Osgiliath ruin. I, I thought it might have been a mistake putting them up there, um, because then they're not able to influence the sort of the ground fight uh, once the lines clash. But they were reliably killing, you know, maybe one or two in the early turns. But every turn they pretty much killed someone's spear support somewhere. So you know it's pretty safe safe way to kill stuff. Absolutely, it was, a, it was a good way to get rid of the banner who was fairly safe otherwise mm. and um, yeah, take, I, I, they definitely earned the points this yeah, game. Yeah, that was a good turning point actually, yeah, because they did, they, they, there was one banner, once the lines had been whittled down and I had too few people, one banner was spear supporting uh, and got sniped out by the uh, by the, the, the assassins on the uh, the Oscalith ruins. So a 6-0 loss to me uh, to round off things, which to be fair, I'm pretty happy with, uh, four wins and two losses, not a bad one. And Andrew, you must be you must be high, riding quite high, you got five wins and one loss, is that right, or five wins and a draw? Absolutely ecstatic, five wins, one loss, and I was very lucky to get some of those other wins as well it's very close games thoroughly enjoyed the weekend it's been fantastic brilliant brilliant thanks very much for talking to me thank you so all in all i'm i'm pretty happy with that performance actually it was um it was a it was an unusual tournament because i felt so exhausted particularly on day two i mean uh, i i really cannot convey how exhausted i felt i mean the interviews i think i, I put in a really good brave face uh, perhaps I didn't always do such uh, a thing in the games um, particularly uh, I think probably just after lunch when I was feeling bloated after lunch not bloated but you know full feeling content needed a nap uh, didn't get a nap uh, so I think my game against Jake even though I managed to win it um, which I, I, I still don't really understand how that happened I felt uh, like a, a sealed door just just absolutely tanked it in that game it was awful um charging a load of goblins with you know 10 or however many guys I went 12 or something like that 11 maybe um guys in a warband with Ellen a uh, sealed or mounted against like 10 goblins and a captain you'd like to rate that you know I could chop them down pretty swiftly but it just all went terribly wrong so I, I was really surprised to come away with a win on that one uh, similarly with Mac, I think I just I just managed to pick him off in the right way at time, delay him just enough to put the pressure on. And I think that's quite a, a good strategy in whole ground, actually, is that um, abandoning one warband or using something to delay uh, the whole of their army, especially if you're able to delay and shield and something like a, a captain, like my Defence 7 captain with its lance, you know, it can be quite intimidating. Um, you've got some might to spend there, so you can, you know, you can win the combats perhaps when you're not always guaranteed to against uh, some troops. So uh, it just held up uh, enough to kind of put the pressure on that I could charge into the middle with everything. And then J-Mac knew, uh, I keep calling him J-Mac, I don't, I don't know whether he likes J-Mac as a name, but he's called him himself J-Max Army's Middle Earth so I guess he is uh, so John he he kind of felt I think he might have felt like he had to push his dudes uh, into the middle quicker than um, than well I don't know sort of uh, piecemeal rather than um, going in one big whole hog so it, it just meant he had a, a sort of piecemeal line which I could help uh, which helped me in terms of chopping away at stuff given that another turn he definitely had it like 
all of his stuff all of his heroes had finally made it to the middle and was threatening my um you know sort of depleted heroes and so yeah i i think i think he'd have he'd have had me gilgalad um wasn't dead or anything uh he had no might so he's fight nine but then ellendil a sealed or captain all out of might so it was going to be an interesting turn the next one and and finally andrew uh stackhouse played him last year um at Scouring of Cheshire with my Easterling force back then. I can't remember the results of that. I think he, he won that one as well. Um, I just, I think, if I'm completely honest, I just think I chose the completely wrong strategy. Um, Boromir, once you've depleted some of his might, he's not as scary as, as I kind of think he is because I've got fight seven heroes, he's fight six, so he needs to strike against me no matter what. And I don't always need to counter that strike. In fact, I've got two points of might left on Elendil, um, and Boz has only one out of his six. So I needed to be super careful. Um, or I was super careful with Elendil and a sealed door. I could have just thrown a sealed door into Boz a couple of times. He has to strike. Um, or so if I, a sealed door strikes. Um, and if I lose the fight with a sealed door, chances are he's not going to do much damage to me. He's wounding me on sixes. Yes, he can spend some of his might, but that's actually what I want. So I should have just wazzed a sealed door straight into Boz uh, and taken him out rather than just letting Boz tear uh, my guys a new one, which was a mistake because if I'd have killed Boz sooner rather than later, um, uh, Andrew would have lost his fight five, uh, which really, really helped, uh, certainly in the late game. But a uh, 6-0 loss there, I'm still not too uh, unhappy with. So another four and two. Like I think, I think actually that maybe this is just my thing now. I don't know. Maybe maybe it's Numenor. Maybe I'm 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 getting a bit better at the game. Who knows? But either way, very very proud uh, of that uh, that win there. Um, that sort of well, it feels like a win to me. I mean the uh, the four and four wins and two losses, especially considering uh, the Numenor. Not considered the most competitive. Hey, they're holding their own. They're definitely holding their own. Um, I, I, I keep saying they're getting lucky, but at some point my luck's got to run out, right? And uh, they're, they're solid. They're still solid. Um, so I'm, I'm enjoying that. Uh, we'll have the slow grow in a couple of episodes' time. Very excited for that uh, to show you just how I built the army from 200... Uh, no, sorry, 400, 500, 600, 700, 800, or whatever, whatever we started at. I can't remember. But we'll find out uh, in the next episode. Uh, and then some uh, new armies, uh, some a bit of a spice coming on the way soon. But different kinds of stuff um, will be just a, a bit of a palate cleanser before I uh, carry on building the last line stuff. But first... First, we've got to finish things off in this tournament by speaking to the winner of the Scouring of Cheshire 2023. And it is Nicky Myland. Uh, first of all, Nicky, well done. I'm winning. How do you feel? Um, I've gone red. Very, very red <laughs> all of a sudden. Uh, but no, it was a fantastic event. Uh, I came last year. Wait for Steve a sec. So, yeah, so, uh, yeah how, how do you feel? Yeah, I feel, well, blushed. Um, it's, it's a bit straight. <laughs> right, yeah. Yeah, right, yeah, so I feel, um, well, I feel blushed. Um, like when they called out my name, then I think I just went bright red. But the event itself as a whole, I thoroughly enjoyed every single game. Every single game passed to game two. No offence to my first opponent. It just became a challenge there onwards. Mm. Game two, we've played Grand Army of the South. I think you watched that one. I saw bits of it, yeah. 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 Uh, game three, that was against the Black Riders. That was an interesting game. I started with 44 models, and by the end of the game, I ended up with 49. Um, <laughs> yeah, because of the Dragon Emperor, sure. Yeah, so, we should say, I, I haven't asked. You've got the uh, Army of the Dragon Legion, haven't you? Oh, yes, yeah. Um, so you've yes. got the Emperor Broad Gear, is it, and Rasabi? Uh, yes, and a captain. Uh, the captain's in there for Heroic March. Uh, people like taking the Dragon Knight because he's got strike, he's got free attacks, but I don't rate him over the captain. The, the captain brings more utility to the list. 
Um, yeah, so game five, I played the Vanquishers, I believe. Mm. I think it was the Vanquishers. Um, game four, I played Kalman. That were an absolute challenge of a game. Uh, Champions of Erebor, I absolutely bricking it. Um, I knew my challenger this weekend were Kalman and his list. Uh, thankfully, I got hold ground on the mission, which was in my favour. We mm. both talked out and we knew exactly what was going to happen through the game. Mm. Uh, the last game, Men of the West, which Men of the West up at this top table, it's a bit unreal to see, but my opponent, Alex, um, yeah, you can see why he's up there. He was a fantastic opponent throughout and he knew his knowledge. Mm. Uh, just a challenge all the way through. Um, um, what is it? So, because obviously people have said that the uh, the Dragon Emperor and the Legion is is good. Um, is it is it as good as people are saying it? And you know what what makes it so good? I guess. Right. So the the Dragon Horse itself, it can deal with every mission, uh, and some missions it can do better than all the other forces out there. Say for like Reconita, um, Contest of Champions, it struggle with. But every single list, it can do something about. Mm. Um, Obviously, unless you get like lots of battle against some army, yeah, yeah. that's got no wounds. Um, but I guess I, I guess that's the, the because it, it has so much utility. You've got the fast moving because you've got your march and the drum. Um, you've got a really really durable hero. You've got really durable troops because you've got the high fight value and the high defense. There's, there's, it's not got loads and loads of tricks though. I know some some players at the top tables really like to have a bit of control in the game. And, and do you think it's lacking that? No, the tricks themselves. Um, Every single game I've caught someone out with either taking the Dragon Emperor up to Shrem 10 with a had channeled uh, Blade Wrath, which actually killed the Mummock in the end. Wow. Um, yeah, or it's the Fury Bubble itself, like uh, Brogear, for instance, casting Fury, then laying down behind all my troops and the cavalry against the Witch Kings. Mm. It's absolutely vital. The cat black dart him, and it means the entire thing that the Black Riders have got going for it, the minus three. It's absolutely in effect. Mm. Um, yeah. It's got the Dragon Emperor itself, like versus Kalman. I knew his guys were absolutely thrashing my line. So the turn where I needed more bodies on the board, I let the Palaquin loose mm. just to block off more entrances. Uh, Did you just dismount it? Yeah, I dismounted it on purpose to block his path coming through, which meant the Dragon Emperor could go into one of his characters and kill him. Mm. Um, a lot of people don't like the Dragon Emperor because it's got a three-inch a three inch wide base and you, they think that you can't move with it, but in most cases, they're playing it wrong. You s simply just set up the Dragon Emperor behind your lines. You give it the buff. When you guys start dying, you can just start bringing your Dragon Emperor in. Yeah. At that point, it's fully charged. Yeah, It just takes out anybody. Yeah. Well, I mean, Nicky, obviously it takes some uh, some player skill, and this isn't the first tournament you've been do doing well uh, with this. I think you did relatively well at the GT, was it? Did you win the GT or come to the podium? Yeah, so the GT, I only played three games with it, um, and the other three games were Amifro and I think it was Iron Hills. Yeah, you got a Dane, haven't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so, I mean, it's obviously doing well. I mean, do you think it's the sort of one of the top, if not the top, top tier list that you can get out at the moment? Me personally, I've played all the top tier lists and like majority of the top tier players, like Rowan Williams, for instance, is mm. Assault and Lothlorien. Uh, I played him at the GT. He said he's, I think he went 10 games undefeated and the game that I played him was his first loss with Assault and Lothlorien. Mm. Uh, I played against Alessandro, I'm going to say, uh, who were playing the Bjornlings. Um, the first game that I played him in the very first turn, 
Um, the Dragon Emperor went up to strength 10 and he one shot Bayon. It's like, what the hell in the game can do 18 strength 10 attacks, yeah. for instance, and there's no counter to it. Yeah. Uh, especially with an Elven weapon. But I think, me personally, I think it's the best list out there. It's got the numbers, it's got the bodies, it's got the defense. Uh, it's got all the tricks, it's got the movement. I think the design team, they've designed it really well. But I think the Legendary Legion as a whole, it's under-costed. Mm. The Dragon Emperor should be at least 100, well, about 240 in my estimate. So the Legendary Legion itself, at 800 points, I'm getting roughly about 900 points worth of stuff. Interesting. I mean, you said 18 wounds. How, how are we getting 18 because the, the 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 guys oh, the, you can't double strikes if you've knocked something over can you with the uh, with the, the guys that kick kick off the planking can you right so the dragon emperor itself um, he gets the three three strikes mm -hmm. so that'd be doubled to six yeah. uh, the planking itself it makes uh, six strength six attacks doubled up to twelve and the FAQ states that anything that affects a dragon emperor. Uh, affects the palaquin. But you, you don't double those strikes though, do you? Because because it's their their strikes after, after after everything else. I thought I mean, I may be wrong about that. I may be playing it wrong. <laughs> well, we'll, fi we'll find out. I'm, I might just uh, it might just be a complete uh, techni technicality. I'm sure some, somebody told me off uh, for doing that before. But either way, it sounds um, like the the uh, you've got the, the huge amount of power from from the palanquin, and then and but but I think honestly the the, the strength really is in the in the huge number of uh, defense six fight five guys and the pipe locks. I'd imagine. Yeah, without a doubt. Um, like for instance, this game, uh, this tournament, I've got. Two really good characters, fighty mm. characters. Mm. I've got a, a war priest with utility buffs. Um, I've just got a, cap a regular captain in there, and combined with 44 slash 50 troops on the board, there's nothing really in the mm. game that can do with that. Yeah. I mean, elves, for instance, elves at this point, you're probably getting about 36, 38, and you are a sense elves. Amazing. Well, Nikki, uh, well done on winning the tournament. You're you're a proud owner of a massive, massive glamdring. Uh, good luck getting that home and hanging it on a wall or something like that. I won't be hanging out. <laughs> I've got a one-year-old baby. <laughs> Nikki Myland there. Uh, congratulations on a win with the Dragon Emperor. And thanks for indulging me in the uh, the question where you double the, the strikes. Uh, this is something that I've heard uh, mentioned a couple of times about just the wording on um, the palanquin bearer. Uh, the implication, uh, some people argue, of the way it's worded is that um, essentially if you, you, you cause four attacks or whatever then you double it to create eight strikes on someone. And the argument is, the way it's worded on the palanquin, is that you get six strikes after um, the Dragon Emperor has made his attacks. Uh, and then some have argued, those strikes are uh, can't be doubled because the striking happens after attacks or something like that. I, I don't really understand it myself. I didn't interpret it like that, but uh, I can see why people would want to argue it, um, especially if they're playing against the Dragon Emperor. So, uh, fascinating. Uh, I don't know what you think, if you know the uh, right answer on that one or not, let, uh, let me know. Podcast at gmail.com. Either way, it can't be... Um, can't be too bad. Uh, Nicky is a, a cracking player. He knows what he's doing, and uh, whether or not uh, the Dragon Emperor does lots of attacks or not, it's certainly something to behold. I mean, there are three players taking it to the Great British Hobbit League's Masters event, so that's the, uh, the among the best players of the last season. 
a few people they can't inevitably can't make it every time which is fine but um there were almost all of the top five or six players um and regional winners and all that and three of them took Dragon Emperor 2 Assault and Lothlorians uh, two Mordor Harad lists so you know uh, usual kind of Witch King and Suladan Alliance uh, two of those Mordor and Harad uh, did very well um, they came I think first and third respectively I believe I may be wrong I can't remember about that and uh, then second was Thror and um, Iron Hills so uh, interesting uh, that so Dragon Emperor certainly something to with- withstand but can you beat that Mordor Harad alliance is Suladan just too good uh, I don't know I don't know I'm not uh, an expert either but I do know that he's pretty good and certainly the players who were piloting uh, that list were good so slight diversion there but uh, either way well done uh, to to Nicky and uh, his his list and I think that pretty much brings us to the end um, I, I do encourage you once again have a look at the old video for this one I'm really proud of this uh, YouTube video um, a bit weird because it's kind of a lot of camping and not always a lot of hobby um but uh, painting um miniatures in a tent at minus 10 degrees is certainly one of the most memorable times of my uh, my life and uh, certainly hobbying uh, you know tournaments are full of these strange things and it gets you to do this sort of stuff so i'd highly encourage uh, the whole experience it is great fun um also uh, a couple of other housekeeping bits lord of the imps my tournament um is sold out um, thank you so much to all of those people who uh, bought a ticket. Uh, there are 40 people on the reserve list, so I am trying to try and find a little bit more room, um, even if it's a side room on the main room that we usually have. If I can get like an extra 20 people in, um, I just want people to enjoy the experience. Uh, if it's possible to do it, we'll try and do it. So um, uh, keep your eyes peeled and ears to the ground on that sort of stuff. Uh, we might be able to get an extra, I don't know, five to ten tables or something like that, which would be good. Um, so uh, fingers crossed for that and uh, thanks again to all of my patron supporters um i've i've been giving out some cool prizes and uh, sorry a cool giveaway type things recently i need to do a prize draw at some point for patrons because uh it's been a while since i've done one there are some cool uh, gifts coming along the way for the the top tier patrons um soon and uh, i i really need to know uh, i really think i need to give something extra and exciting for for the uh, sort of other patrons it's been a while since i did the dice run so we'll have to work out something for that as well so uh, thanks very much in the meantime for just supporting the podcast in spite of uh, in spite of all that um and of course for the youtube channel as well with that in mind uh, we've got a slogan episode coming soon uh, we also have a uh, dwarven episode coming soon where i uh, bring the old dwarves out of hibernation um but in the meantime thanks for listening Boo-ra-rum. 